0: Now, I've got uh, in my uh, office on the wall a gift from Sam Stairs. She brought it back, I think, from Jerusalem. Or so she said. She probably bought it down a Finley Market or something. <laughs> but it says, Shalom, y'all. <laughs> and what a, a great illustration of how today we use that term almost sort of like, how are you? You know, how are, how are you doing? But in the, the, the fullness of, of the meaning of shalom, it really means to be whole, to be complete, to be all that we were created to be. You know, to, that, that, to be hand in glove. You know, that when a, a hammer is driving a nail and it hits it just square in. Or when you're on the court and you're just in the zone. You know, it's just the sweet spot. That's what shalom is. To be all that we were created to be. The, uh, to be unencumbered in our relationships with God, with ourself, with others, and with all of Creation. That's what we're we're going to be exploring these next three weeks. That, that that shalom that God created for us to experience in the beginning. That fulfillment, that satisfaction that comes from residing in His presence. That is shalom. That's what's behind the exhibit's presence that you walked through in the atrium and that you enjoyed the the presence of God's healing power. That all healing is in God's presence. That shalom happens when we are perfectly in His presence. Now we had to break it up somehow in the next three weeks to talk about healing, to talk about being restored, rescued to that shalom that we were created to enjoy and experience. And so we took the old body, mind and soul uh, division, understanding of humanity, not to uh, make a scientific statement, but just to break it up into three pieces, otherwise We'd be here longer than we're going to be here already as it is just to talk about the healing of our body. What does shalom mean when it relates to our physical body? Our passage this morning is in Mark chapter 5 starting with verse 21 where we will experience shalom. In the physical body. As individuals. Recognize. The presence of God. They pursue the presence of God. In their midst. I invite you to turn there. It's uh, 816 your pew Bible. Or it will be on the screen. Mark 5 verse 21. Let's pray together. Gracious God. We seek. We desire. Your shalom. The fullness. The fullness. Of your presence in our lives. Forgive us if we're here for anything less. Forgive us if we come just to fulfill an obligation. Or just maybe to get a twinge of feeling good about ourselves. Or for any other myriad of reasons. We come because we know we were created for something. Beautiful. Fulfilling. Complete. And we know that we're not there. And so we seek you. Bring your shalom in each of our lives. Speak to us the word we each of us need to hear from you so that indeed in our bodies we might be healed. Jesus we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 4, starting from verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live so he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed them on him. Now there was a woman who'd been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said... If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up. And began to walk about. She was twelve years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this. And told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now another thing you'll be glad to know. Is that uh, it was Friday evening. And. I was finishing up at least what I had done so far for this morning on Friday evening, getting ready to to go to the presence exhibit. And Kathy called my wife and she asked, so um, how's it going on the sermon preparation? And I said, well, I got it down to uh, 45 minutes. That was her response also. And I said, you know, I mean, what? Fool put me in this position and realized I did to try to tackle in 20, 25, maybe 27 minutes. The question of healing the body. Try to address the two questions. Why does God heal? And why doesn't God heal? The church has been trying to tackle that for 2,000 millennia and I'm arrogant enough to think, yeah, oh, we can knock that out in 20 minutes or so. What regularly happens, you know, I'm just, oh, yeah, sounds good. And then, you know, you get in the middle of it, sort of like a plumbing project, you know, and sort of like, whoa, what would I get into? So I'm going to try to address quickly, just top over a couple of things and really Dig down in one or two to address those two questions. One, I, I don't think we talk much about why does God heal. We, probably because we get so focused on why He doesn't heal that we don't stop and ask the question, well, why does He? We just sort of assume it, you know, like any good child assumes of their parents. You know, that they're going to do everything they want them to do. And we do the same of God. But why... Indeed, does God heal? And you can see through this story, through these events of Jesus with these two, uh, this woman and this this girl, you can see a number of things. And if if you want to look further um, at things, there's there's a number of resources also that are mentioned here in your bulletin on the bottom of the first page, on the back of the second page, and or top of the third page, uh, of just resources from. Uh, each of us will be preaching in these next three weeks to address some of the issues that come up when we talk about healing and healing of the body, healing of the mind, healing of the soul. And also, I'll I'll put more detail around some of these things on the the College Hill blog if you want to go and check that out. Just go to the website and check out the blog. But why does God heal? as As you look at this, what are some of the reasons that you see Jesus healing these two women? I mean, one, you see it's for God's glory. I mean, you can see that when you walk in the atrium. Just look at the banner above. It is simply joy and praise. God heals so that we might join in his praise. It is for his glory and the wonder of his power that God does heal. It is compassion for our pain. You see it in in Jesus here. He he hears the cry and He acts. He enters into our pain. It it is an opportunity for God simply to demonstrate His power to the world around. And what happens with Jesus here and the amazement being even out of their mind, we're told, the people that see Him heal the girl. It enables folks in ministry That the the one who is healed then becomes the the wounded healer of others. It is also God pursuing what He is at work doing. The shalom of all of creation. I mean, God is at work now rescuing His creation. Redeeming us. Saving us. One one thing that I want to note from this passage: the the end of verse twenty three, the end of verse twenty eight, the the middle of verse thirty four. Each time the the speaker says, "I will be made well," uses the word "well." I have been made well. You could just as easily insert there shalom. Because the Greek word that is used there is the same word we translate saved. Sozo. In, in Jesus' mind, in the ministry of Jesus, salvation was not just to secure our soul when we go to heaven. Salvation, sozo, entails all of us and entails all of each one of us. And our body is an integral part of who we are. And so to be made well involves our body. Shalom involves our body. Salvation involves our body. God heals because it is the work of God to bring shalom to the whole of creation. And a day will come when He will bring that shalom on all creation. And we wait for that day that Jesus returns. But until then... He gives us pieces and glimpses, and he acts it out in our lives and in the life of creation. The, the last thing that I, I thought of is, is why does God heal? And this is the one I want to hang on just a little bit. It is because God heals because our body has value to Him, our physical body. Go ahead, you know, slap yourself. No, your body, what, what, your, your flesh and blood has eternal. Don't slap the other. I see that. I said you could slap yourself. Our body has value. It's sort of weird, isn't it? I mean, really, if you just sort of touched yourself for a little bit, it's sort of weird. You don't do it very often, do you? Just to appreciate the gift that God has given you in your body. I don't think we have a very good relationship with our own body. Yet it has eternal value. We're told our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That in Christ that the Spirit of God dwells in our body. If you recall... Jesus, in His resurrected body, in His glorified body, the the body that we best understand represents the body we will will have when we see Jesus face to face, our glorified body. Recall the continuity between His earthly body and His glorified body. Remember Thomas who said, I'm not going to believe until I see the wounds in His hands and in His side. And when Jesus showed up, Thomas fell on his knees because he saw the wounds. There is continuity between our earthly body and our resurrected body. Our body, our physical body has eternal value to God. These women's bodies had eternal value to Jesus. So they were worth the time and energy that He gave to heal them. Now, you know, if if that's true, if that's really true, that our bodies have such value to God, that has an awful lot of implications beyond healing. It raises questions. How do we treat our body? Do we use it and abuse it? Do we use it as a tool? Do we just abuse it? Either in... Self-loathing and hatred and all kinds of disorders and abuse that we do to our body. Pursuing selfish pleasures without concern, really, for the body. Using it to impress or to seduce. We're the other extreme, seeing the body as just the appearance. And so we spend, as a society, millions and millions of dollars on plastic surgery. Because it's just what it looks like instead of what it truly is. A gift. A gift from God. Integral to who we are. Part of who we are. Exactly. Given by God to enjoy the pleasures of His creation in food and play and sleep and intimacy and praise and prayer and dancing and singing. Our body is a gift from God, a valued gift of God to be used in those ways to enjoy those things you know, jesus never says to anyone when they come to him asking for bodily healing you know your body's just a house a temporary house for your soul so don't worry about your body let's just focus on the soul he never says that god has promised and in the ministry of jesus we see that he will heal the body He will heal our bodies. The the flesh and blood that we are, what what that represents and what that will be in the resurrection. He promises to heal us in our bodies. He loves our bodies. Therefore, He heals them. If I asked who in here has been healed by God, we all would stand. Because it is the work of God to bring healing. When we've been cut or when we've been hurt and and things have mended, that is the work of God in the, the natural. We might understand it biologically and physiologically, but we recognize that is a gift from God. We have all been healed. But I wonder, in this body here this group here who has experienced that supernatural healing of god who who would say i mean miracles are miracles because they're unique it's just not every day that a 12 year old is dead and then that night is eating dinner just doesn't happen that often And at times, God promises and God does act to intersect into our worlds in miraculous ways and heal us in ways that are supernatural. And so I'm wondering here, just as a simple testimony to God, by you standing, because God has healed you supernaturally. I I haven't experienced what I would call supernatural healing, but I'm wondering from you. Who has? And we we stand simply as a testimony to the power of God who loves our bodies and heals us. You can be seated. Thank you. So God loves our bodies and wants them, to, wants to heal them, wants to enable us to experience all the, that he has and the pleasure that he has created for us to experience, which includes physical pleasure. Well, then it just begs the next question. Well, then why doesn't he heal all the time? Now, in a way, that's a trick question. Because God does heal all the time. We believe God does heal all the time. We believe that God heals our bodies completely and totally. It's just not according to our time, to our preferences, to our desires all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having desires, having a timeline that we want God to heal on. And it's almost always now. And I've, I have stood next to caskets where we said, God, how come you didn't heal? Whether it was a three-day baby, a six-month-old infant, whether it was uh, an only child, and only son, early 20s, whether it was a mother of two at age 34, and a bunch of times in between and beyond, and have asked the question, why didn't you heal according to our time, our preferences, our desires? First, one reason is that God's ways aren't our ways. I don't know, and you don't know, and we don't know. I mean, Isaiah 58, he exclaims, God tells us, my ways are higher than your ways. My ways are beyond your capabilities of understanding. So we don't know why God waited to heal until they came face to face with Jesus. Another reason that God doesn't heal, I think, is because He demonstrates the need, the needs of the world around us, so as to lead us and motivate us to doing good. Hang with me here. It's so that we don't become a leprous society. You know what leprosy is? Lepers lose the the feeling in their extremities. They lose the feeling of pain in their hands, in their toes, in their faces. And what happens is they go through life and they cut their finger off. They don't know it. They don't usually cut it off. They usually just rub it down to where it becomes a nub and then nothing because they never feel when, they're, when they put it in the fire, when they scratch it on something, the same thing with their feet, the same thing with their noses. I mean, lepers have no extremities because they don't feel pain. As a society, as a people, if we didn't feel the pain of evil that we do to one another, of the evil of diseases and the fallenness of the world, we wouldn't see and respond by pursuing what is good. In a sense, as a society, if we didn't, we wouldn't feel pain, we wouldn't pull our hand out of the fire when we put it in the flames. Another reason God doesn't heal is to demonstrate His power through illness and death, to strengthen our faith. Certainly, biblical stories of people all the time that endured pain and imprisonment, that endured illness and disease, and that illness and disease and that pain and imprisonment were used to strengthen and deepen their faith. I I don't think you can find any human being who seriously seeks to follow Jesus, who couldn't tell you at least one story of a time of, their, of disappointment, of failure, of pain, of struggle, where in the midst of that struggle and pain and disease, God led them to a deeper place in Him. That through that crucible, the roots of faith grew deeper. Ultimately, in God's wisdom, the reason He doesn't heal in our time, in our preferences, is because in His wisdom, He knows what is working to fulfill the ultimate shalom of the world. And He will use whatever disease, pain, suffering of a broken world to bring that about. And the greatest example of that Is the cross. Because God shows us that in his pain, in in his power, in his strength, he isn't strong enough to bypass pain and death. He goes right through it. He faces it head on in the flesh. And demonstrates his power over pain and death. In the power of the resurrection. It's not that he's able to avoid it even better. He's able to go right through it. And come out. Raised from the dead. And to lead us in the power of his resurrection. It's even through this very question through asking this very question, that we see the power of God's healing to bring shalom, to bring wholeness, even out of pain and death. He loves us that much. You got a couple stories today from the same name, but different women. One, Barb blender is in your hot off the press where she shares of the the wholeness, the shalom that God has brought to her through relationship with Father and Alzheimer's. A different Barb lender. I've asked to share of her story, of how God brought healing in death and through it.
1: On April 24th, the Thursday after Easter, six years ago, my life changed in a way that I never ever would have imagined. My kind, handsome, funny, smiling, warm, loving, tall husband Mike went to heaven in the blink of an eye from a massive heart attack. And I felt as if I'd been struck by lightning and had survived. Those days and hours and minutes were the saddest, most difficult days that I can ever imagine. And, and thus far have been the hardest in my whole time on this earth. And I thought, I don't, I don't think I can keep going. I don't think I can keep walking. What in the world's up with this? I don't think I can do this. John 14, 18 in the Amplified Version says, I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, helpless. I will come to you. And that's just exactly what God did. He came to live at my house in a way that he hadn't before. My favorite author is Jane Rubietta, and I talk about her a lot because her words minister to me a lot. And... um, in her book, Come Closer, she says, because of earthly disappointments, we decide that we can't trust our heavenly Abba, when in reality, he's the only one we really can trust. God has continued to remind me that circumstances are never so bad that he can't help. That, we're never, um, that we'll never know and understand what good he can bring out of a seemingly hopeless situation. I cling to that with all my might, to the profound and wonderful truth that God loves me and he will always act in a way that is best for me. I may not see it, I may not feel it, I may not even know that he's in it today, maybe not tomorrow either, but it doesn't make it any less true. I don't understand why God thought it was best to take Mike to heaven. I do know that Jesus loves Mike and that Mike is with Jesus and that keeps me going. That reminds me often of the right perspective for me that Mike is whole in heaven. He doesn't have heart disease. He's eternally young and whole in heaven. And because God's plan for Mike was to take him to heaven, his plan for me isn't over. I'm not the same God has come so close to me That I Can't help but praise him It's I can't believe that he would do that for me Who the heck am I But But he's come so close And he's continued to whisper In my ear Mike is with me And I am with you Barb Mike is with me And I am with you Barb Mike Is with me. And I am with you Barb. Will you trust me anyway? So. In order to walk. I keep saying yes Lord. And. My constant prayer is that. Somehow. Somehow through this mess. That we call life. That God will receive. The most glory. From my Saying, yes, Lord. It would be wrong for me to continue without telling you a little bit about how funny Mike Linder was. He was a squirrely guy who made us laugh a lot, and he said funny things. And so part of my healing is that God uses humor oftentimes to kind of flash something through my brain about, if Mike could see what I was doing right now, what would he be saying to Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) And one time shortly after Mike went to heaven... I heard his voice almost as clear as a bell in my kitchen and he was saying, oh, you got to send me back. You got to send me back. She's got tools in her hands and she's under the sink. <laughs> or how much longer do I have before she gets here and has to tell me every detail that I've missed? And sometimes I get really jealous because Mike didn't ever want to turn 50 and he went to heaven at 49 and I'm here still having birthdays. And he <laughs> is... Glorious and cuter than he was here in heaven. And that upsets me. (laughs) The most recent way that God continues my healing is that he has been doing something kind of funny. He's been singing me to sleep and waking me with a song. And I don't mean, you know, a song that I heard on the radio before I went to bed or a song that I'm going to get ready to sing on Sunday morning. But instead, it's been... A song that will minister to me, whatever it may be, something about his love, something about trust, something about healing. And the last conscious thought that I have before sleep are the words to whatever that song is. And the first conscious thought that I have in the morning is that song or another song. And the way that that heals me and ministers to me is because God knows how I'm wired and he knows that I would relate to song lyrics And he lets me know time and time and time again that he's in my details, that he cares about my details. I want to close with reading Psalm 57 because um, God continues to use it to bless me. He's encouraged me with it. He's healed my heart. Mike's heart is healed in heaven, but my heart is being healed here on earth. Hear the words of the Lord. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in thee my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of thy wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame those who trample upon me. God will send forth his steadfast love and his faithfulness. I lie in the midst of lions that greedily devour the sons of men. Their teeth are spears and arrows, their tongues sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my soul. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to thee among the nations. For thy steadfast love is great to the heavens, thy faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be over all the earth. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Barb. As she shared, healing in death or through death as Jackie shared at the beginning, one of the ways that we have of pursuing that healing is through praying, through beseeching God, through, through seeking Him, through praying for and with one another. We want to take some time now to do that. There will be some prayer stations. As uh, many of you know, we, we do regularly on communion Sundays. We're going to do healing stations all three Sundays during this, this series a time to come and beseech God. To have a, someone on the healing team and, or an elder in the, the church to, to join with you. Beseeching God, is, especially today, around the body. Of course, if you come with something else, they're not going to say, go sit down. That's next week. <laughs> Whatever the, the issue is. But particularly, think about the body. Maybe an illness or disease that you or a friend or a loved one or even an enemy is in the midst of. And you want to lift them up to the Lord. Maybe something related to an illness or disease in the body that didn't go according to your timing. And you're seeking God, how are you bringing healing through death or through this disease or through this brokenness? Whatever that need, that concern, I encourage you, invite you to come bring it to those that will pray with you and and for you. I'm going to invite folks in the healing team, folks who are um, elders that want to to pray in healing for others to, to come forward to find your place. You'll see them where they are. As they... Come forward. Uh, Brian will also play on the piano for a season as the, the Spirit so leads and moves. God loves your body. God loves the body that He has created for each of us. He wants it to be whole, to enjoy the fullness, the shalom of His creation, where it's broken. Let's seek his healing.